0: 5.37 and you're listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Shirad. We started off our show today by talking about Prabowo Subianto, ostensibly Indonesia's new president, um, the VOTE's The official tally is not necessarily in, but according to quick count ballots, uh, he has about 58%, 58 to 60, something like that, um, of the vote. So it is a strong lead. And we are asking you for your thoughts. Um, And we do have Ron who simply says Prabowo is a VI alumni.
1: Yeah, Ron, actually, that's a very interesting fact about uh, not just Prabowo, but a number of prominent Indonesians over the last century or so who have come to Malaysia, sometimes uh, because they were having problems back home. But I I wonder if there are any... VI alumni out there, you know, uh, who are about his age. He's in his early 70s who actually met him when he was a student. Uh, It would be interesting to hear from you just because uh, this is a man who's now uh, the head of, I think, one of the the fourth largest countries. It's the fourth most populous country in the world. Yeah. Uh,
0: So, Ron, I don't have, um, you know, Sherrod's insights to offer except to say this is a topic for another show, but um, it, it was... My family was up from Singapore for Chinese New Year and while we were going... Around the city, we passed VI. Um, and I was just explaining to them how, oh yeah, this is one of those schools where people who go are very proud of their alumni. <laughs> it's a thing. You know, if you are a VI grad um or if you're a VI boy, people always remember. And then this happened. So I was just thinking about how, yeah, true enough.
1: Yeah, and you know, the whole thing about these elite schools also producing the elite of the future. Yes, yeah, that's right. They, yeah. The you know, the elites get reproduced themselves in, you know, in a clutch of schools uh, in Singapore where I grew up, it was uh, Raffles Institution, Mm. St. Joseph's and uh, Anglo-Chinese School, ACS. So those were the, they contribute more, I don't know, like two thirds of the Singapore cabinet at any one time.
0: Actually, I really think that this is a topic we should explore in a show um, in the future, because there is something to be said about the Privileges of education, and it's something that I think we spoke about recently in relation to uh, in relation to schools here in Malaysia as well, because it's a truth. So um, anyway, that that's a topic for another day, but it's an interesting one. In the meantime, it is five forty, and now on trending today, Aman Palestine is in the headlines, really for all the wrong reasons, because two executives and a company director um, of Aman Palestine arrived at the Shah Alam Sessions Court this morning to be charged with. Um, uh, well three of them face a total of 164 charges involving money laundering criminal breach of trust and cheating amounting to 79 million ringgit uh, that accused our CEO Awang Sufyan Awang uh executive director Abdullah zaik Abdulrahman and director Khairuddin Muhammad Ali
1: you know what's actually what boggles the mind is just the sheer amounts that are involved in this case uh, we've known about it some time because I think the raid by the meCC uh, you know took place some months ago uh, in fact Discussions or talk about possible uh, malfeasance uh, ha- has happened for for some time now. Yes, I think a very talked, long time. Right? Yeah, and there were denials and all that. So un- until uh, the MACC moved in, uh, there wasn't a sense that you know this was going to amount to anything. It could have just been uh, people slandering or you know libel or whatever it is. But now, when you look at the numbers, Lynn, it's extraordinary. But when you think. Uh, also, about the fact that this, these monies were collected by well-meaning Malaysians uh, because they believed it was being contributed to op- oppressed people. This is even more shocking.
0: Yes. So uh, when you said the amounts boggle the mind, I agree. But actually, the thing that I find hardest to swallow is, um, is of course, the exactly that. The fact that what people think they're contributing to are not companies or the purchase of houses and properties for for personal use, right? Instead, they think that they are channeling their money to what they thought was a... um was a valid, uh, was a well-researched organisation who was ensuring that their funds would be reaching people in dire need, increasingly dire need, if anything. And to know that that's not been the case, I think is a real betrayal of trust. Now, I, I to be fair, I think that this happens, this is a large-scale thing, right? So we are talking about huge sums of uh, money, um, 131 kilos of gold apparently purchased. So, so you know, it, it's very large sums. But actually, we see things like this happen all the time. This thing of there being a tragedy, uh, there being something that occurs, and then there is this public impulse to want to give, um, to want to ensure that they're helping. It is a very humane thing. It's it's actually quite a lovely thing, but I think we've also seen many incidents in which the immediacy of "Don't worry, we we've started a fund. You know, you can send it over," and then those funds disappearing or later being disproven. This is very large scale, but we've seen it happen in small scale events all over the place, whether it's animal shelters or flood victims. You you do see this pop up.
1: Yeah, so the lack of transparency maybe comes uh, from... Maybe the urgency of the situation, right? You're collecting a lot of money, or you're collecting a lot of things. Urgency is a real thing because you feel like, oh, I, I, need to help right now, and you, and that and therefore you suspend the normal forms of governance or checks and balances and such. But this is a long-standing NGO, and this problem is a long-standing one, and the problem of uh, uh, the people of Palestine in being, you know, oppressed and such, and needing all this kind of support. But what I find uh, quite interesting is because over the months there been there's been. Support support for, uh, you know, the for Amman Palestine and uh, against the allegations that wrongdoing happened. I think many people perhaps in denial that they could have been people who would use something like the Palestinian cause to enrich themselves. I think just that alone has been, you know, maybe the source of a resistance to come to grips with the fact that Uh, allegedly all this money was cheated of uh, the cause So if we look at some of the tweets uh, Lady Miss Azira says I've done charity
0: work with NGOs and never dreamed of getting rich Here, Amman-Palestine officials are going to the Shah Alam court in expensive cars to face a case of embezzlement of 85 million ringgit The people of Malaysia are really kind and want to help the victims of genocide, but as usual there are only people who take advantage And similarly, um, Shadila is pointing out issues surrounding the ads saying ads everywhere, the ads... um, cost huge tons of money and logically the organisation would be for charity. Um, The organisation doesn't seem to be for charity and instead for profit because of the amount of advertising.
1: Yeah, there's... And I don't know about... I mean, I'm not talking about Amman Palestine, but, you know, there are a lot of dodgy ads uh, asking people for money out there, you know, presumably for very important causes and they do... Pull on uh, the heartstrings of people. They use images of children. There's all kinds of ways in which you can uh, you can. Um, you know, make the point about the need to, you know, for people to generally part with their money in order to help people. But w- what other institutional failures was, it was? Where was the? Was it the board of trustees? Did, did they fail? Uh, did uh, did the government uh, institutions in charge of regulating charities fail? Who was not doing the work that allowed this to go on for whatever time it went on allegedly?
0: Um, yes, and then I think the other part of it is, and this is something we've talked about before, where. The- the, there are certain um, certain issues, so certain matters of urgency that supersede, at least for the public, um, the desire to the desire to do, do due diligence for themselves when it comes to where their money goes to. And I speak as somebody who understands that impulse. You know, I get it. Um, it's only later in my life, really, that I've started to think more closely about which charities, right? Where, When you donate, if you're going to give money, if you're going to give whatever, um, where is that going? Can you actually track things? Um, I think that for a lot of us, it's anathema because we want to believe that giving is the good thing. And once it's given, um, if as long as it's given in the correct spirit, that's enough. Um, and I think something like this shows perhaps that for us as givers, also donators, that perhaps that's not Sufficient.
1: Yeah, and there's also, I think, and I'm going to say here that, you know, uh, sometimes the use of religion, you know, in charity is also a way of blindsiding the giver, right? Because mm. I think, uh, you know, I mean, you give to whatever religious charities, you assume that the people representing the cause uh, and claiming to share the same faith as you do are good people. I mean, you just assume it's true because once religion is invoked, you assume the best of people. But, you know, and then now we see that, you know, religion can. Can be used, in fact, to uh, to make people less diligent and do the kind of due diligence that uh, is re- required. Let us know
0: what you think. Uh, we do you ever worry that the money you donate doesn't go where it's intended? That number to call is 2900. Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio.
1: Bold, fearless Malaysia. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.
0: BFM 89.9, it is 5.51 and that was Bob Dylan with The Times They Are A Change In. You are listening to the Evening Edition with Lynn and Sherrod and we're talking today about Aman Palestine because, uh, well, essentially two of its exec- its CEO, its Executive Director and another director uh, were today charged at the Shah Alam Sessions Court Um facing a total of 164 charges of various things, money laundering, CBT, cheating, um, all of which come up to 79 million ringgit. So we have been asking you uh, whether you ever worry that the money you donate doesn't go where it's intended, uh, or if you have thoughts on this, that number to call is 7773 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Majit says... It's a political move, I believe. Why now? And why this specific NGO? It's time to think of the bigger picture.
1: Yeah, Majid, uh, thanks for that. I mean, you're quite vague about what that political move is and by whom and for what purpose. But I think what I understand, Majid, and because I've been reading around, there are people who have uh, launched into a kind of conspiracy theory around this particular case, uh, you know, invoking everything from a Zionist conspiracy against uh, Amman Palestine to what? whatever, but all with the intended, uh, I think, purpose of, in some ways, shielding uh, the NGO from scrutiny. And I think this is very important, Majid. If we all believe that it's fair and just for every institution, especially one that collects public donations, to be open to public scrutiny, we must at least wait to see what the MECC's case is, right? It's not like the MECC, is doing this in a closed court. It's not a military court. They're, they're going to be doing it in open court. And so they will have to provide evidence before a judge, we assume is independent, that will make a just decision on whether something went wrong. The people who were, who were taken to court today uh, have pleaded uh, not guilty. I think they're, they're going for a trial. But you must remember also, and I think this is for general for us all to understand. Even last year, the Palestinian ambassador in Malaysia said that the name of Al-Qasar, Al-Aqsa Mosque has been used and abused by some quarters in this country to raise money uh, and was never channeled to the cause. So the use of the Palestinian cause, the use of particular you know, groups within Palestine, within the occupied territories uh, to collect money, this is something that's happening and even the Palestinian ambassador has alerted us to the possibility of fraud. So Abu Hakim says I feel sad, shocked and frustrated as this
0: may affect other fundraisers for humanitarian purposes and um, I actually really agree with this and I think that um, how do I put this I think that as much as there is an impulse to want to give there is among sometimes the same people an equal impulse to say yeah but how do I know and you know this is I think in many ways the problems that charities face that in the face of a disaster there suddenly there's this big uptick uh, but then maintaining day-to-day monthly uh, donations all of that prove more difficult because people lose interest so that's one Um, but then the other thing is exactly this that sometimes um, it's the one bad apple problem and then it lends credence to the suspicion that people have sometimes about charities which is yeah uh, yeah, I know. You know, I I give, but then where does it go? And then I see them driving expensive cars, and I see them doing this and that. And you're right, I I do worry about this as well.
1: Yeah, the knock-on effect. I think for uh, for j- charities in general, Abu Kapi Hakim. And, uh, Hakim, the, the the point will be also whether the specific. Cause, the Palestinian cause, is something that's going to be uh, hurt by this news. Yes, it's unfortunate it's coming at a time when, you know, the Palestinian cause needs as much support as it can get. But should our anti-corruption, you know, busters... Hold off just because of the timing. They have been clearly working on this case for longer than you know the war that's being perpetrated, or the attacks that are being perpetrated in Gaza. So you know it needs to take its course, and I hope you know if you're concerned about. Uh, you know, the question of the veracity of these charges, then watch the case and see whether that case actually is proceeding with sufficient evidence against those individuals. Amir,
0: meanwhile, says NGOs are allowed to use 30% of their collection as operating expenses. Amman Palestine used more than it's allowed?
1: Well, I don't know, you know, Amir, uh, what was going on and how those monies were managed. You know that, you know, Lynn, you mentioned the gold, right? And the gold was actually a legitimate per- purchase. What happened in that particular instance was that uh, those individuals allegedly uh, misreported the cost of that purchase, and so you know took five million from the uh, from the purchase on top of it, as they kind of skimmed the top of that. And so, why gold was being purchased, how is being used, who was monitoring Amman Palestine, or in in terms of any charity of this sort, uh, make sure that, yes, there's some balance and some ratio between operating expenses and those that have to go to the target group?
0: Uh, That and also whether we are all in agreement of what operating expenses are. Um, Because, of course... Of course, in theory, I think we think we would know overhead costs, things like that, how much you pay staff. Um, But then are there grey areas, right, in which people can say, no, 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 that falls under OPEX. Um, That, I think, is is also a little bit tricky. Meanwhile, um, Azami says, more reasons to support the establishment of a new charity commission to govern organisations collecting monies from the public.
1: Yeah, Azami, absolutely right. I think, you know, I don't actually understand whether there's sufficient, uh, you know, regulation, if there's sufficient institutional oversight. Side, uh, and scrutiny of these things, you'd think that auditors would be involved, especially when an organization is big and, as this and is you know, uh, dealing with millions, right? What would the auditor reports, report, uh, you know, suggesting? I mean, would they have highlighted uh, for instance um, inflated salaries? Because you can, yes, you put people on salaries, you must pay people, but do they deserve a, a car? Do they deserve a driver with a car? You know, do they get to change their car every year and and keep the car that you know has been now decommissioned? I mean, whatever those rules might be within an organisation, when do they exceed the limits of uh, good sense and and propriety? Right. Yes, and um, in theory, something like a charity commission should uh,
0: basically a governing body should make that clear for everybody, right? Um, it, and therefore, we wouldn't have to... You you shouldn't be asking these questions in some ways. Um, we should have a document to refer to um, where we can say, well, look, um, this is what you can or cannot do. This is what is or is not permissible. And I, I think that that is maybe... Um, what's lacking at the moment. Um, Okay, keep those thoughts coming. You can, of course, continue to call us, 777 Send us a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. And tweet us at BFM Radio. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business
1: Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app,